Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In this episode, we continue the conversation about soul species and cover the middle upper section of the array from Pleiadian through Andromedan souls. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Greetings, everybody, and welcome forward, as we say. Hello, Stace. Thanks for being here. Uh-huh. This is uh, We're going to finish Soul Species today, or at least that's the intention. We'll see how far that intention takes us. Road to hell and all that, but uh, <laughs> I think we can do this. We did do half of it uh, last time, so we'll continue with that. And I don't even remember uh, where we left off with Soul Species. I believe we got through Syrian. Yes, we, we, got, got? Yeah. we got through. We're ready to start with Pleiadian. <clears throat> Any preambles before we go to Pleiadians? Oh, just again, a reminder for everyone that even though this is interesting as hell as a topic content in itself, the real the real applicability of knowing soul species, getting familiar with them, is, is rife with new learnings about ourselves and others. It allows us to let make make less projections against others um, uh, in wanting them to be like us uh, because each soul species processes reality differently. Uh, it also uh, gives uh, x-ray vision to, as we said last time, uh, deeper understandings and patiences with ourselves and others in terms of um, uh what, what constitutes uh, our base authentic being in some ways. And so make transparent a lot of our wound-based uh, versions of, of inauthentic selves that we are. So knowing your own soul species and recognizing other ones uh, allows you to uh, project less, uh, engage more, and self-examine more deeply. Mm. That's the short the short summary of the goodness of it. Yeah, there, there was something that happened yesterday in a session with Brie um, where she asked a question toward the uh, end of the session. And I, I had an experience I don't think I've ever had before where I've been practicing, as we'll get to, I'm sure, today. Um, my soul species, for my soul species, soul species, intuition is of particular importance at the level of essence. Um, and so I've been practicing using my intuition more consciously because it's sort of been intertwined with my the way I use my mind and so it's been an asset I have but it's never I, I rarely use it alone it's sort of always been mixed with things mixed with my mind and so she asked me this question and because I've been in the habit of using my intuition my intuition had an answer and the experience I had was the intuition was like this and said it and my mind's relationship to what I said was it had no idea <laughs> it was yeah. such a strange experience to be like, my intuition was totally sure it was X. And my mind was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, is that even true? <laughs> and I got to experience like, oh, wow. is, that's what intuition separate from mind is like. I don't know if yeah. I've experienced that before. Well, what a compelling uh, example, Joseph. This is, speaks right to um, a lot of the confusion, which identity can decode, actually. Um 
where the, the location, the actual physical location of third eye is smack dab in the middle of the forehead behind which the mind abides, yeah. right? So they're in the same location. And a lot of people who have deeper gifts in third eye sometimes don't really know how deep they are because they are they do tend to mix in between mm -hmm. the mind's um, dualistic net over mm -hmm. things. In other words, intuition, you wouldn't use a net to pick up water a fishnet to pick up water and and a mind the mind operates through a fishnet grid work it can't pick up things that intuition can pick up uh, there's no net mind net or 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 you know um gridded uh system that the intuition that intuition operates it it goes whole moment then whole moment and then now and whole moment and now mm -hmm. and whole moment and and so it takes a little while to decode the message of the third eye uh, in the middle of the forehead there, especially when you're as gifted, in your case, Joseph, as you are, uh, with IQs spilling out your ears, there's so many of them. So really smart people um, sometimes uh, are operating on intuitive without knowing it because, well, the intuit, the intelligence and the um, acuity of focus, acuity of focus tends to crowd out uh, the awareness of the intuition. Yeah, and then of course, as a society, we're rewarded for um, brain cell uh, efficiency, not in yeah. intuitions, and that certainly was the case in my family of origin. So I was rewarded yeah. for being intelligent, not for being intuitive, and so uh, the, my, my mind's taken credit for a lot of my intuitions at the expense of my soul. Oh, great point! Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and the mind we actually have. A, a mental body in our soulfulness, but it's sure. far outshined by our intuitive uh, grasp and processing of reality as soul. It's secondary. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, we're trained it to, for it to be primary, and then we shoehorn in intuition. So it's a the more you intuitively um, support your own um, way of processing reality, the more soulful um, we we um, express ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to keep practicing it. It's it's interesting and disorienting both. There's definitely a price to pay. You bet. All right, okay. so Pleiadians. Yes, again, we're um, well, for those that are still catching up with this, um, even though Pleiadian, the term applies to a star system, uh, a galactal system here in this particular Terran universe, which is the universe as we know it, uh, so supposedly the infinite universe a physicalized uh energized universe uh and so in um but the but the term pleiadian actually is associated with that that some mysterious aspect of the plea pleiades uh the the six sisters or seven sisters and the pleiades something like, that, yeah. something like that um there's something about it which interestingly enough coincides with the fact that Pleiadians um, tend to much less uh, incarnate as men here mm -hmm. and much more as women. And that's something to do with the Pleiadian um, bandwidth of being, I guess. Uh, Pleiadians are um, usually very positive people. In fact, they're so positive, they <laughs> tend not to get much access to their darker uh, emotions uh, they're uplifting and they're they're free spirits and what they their eyes sparkle. Uh, what are the three colors um, I usually see in so uh, uh, purple, pur purple, uh, go, go, no, purple, green, and like indigo, and indigo or lavender, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
they they're the ones that actually in the 60s got the new age paradigm uh um, going in this world uh, so new agers uh most of you are pleiadians not all of course a lot of um, impressionistic soul species out there that respond to the pleiadian message they um, they're always looking to the sky and to um and, and, and metaphorically and contexts more than content uh, but they tend to be people. They they try to please. They tend to please people a lot because they themselves, well, they're 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 pretty plentiful here, but still not really secure in the fact that they're so outnumbered by more dense uh, uh, soul species than they that don't have their innate gift of um, the stars, let's say, uh, or of the heavens and uh, all the um, magical kinds of things that go on behind the veil of uh, our conditioned consciousness. Um, they, they're highly, they're pretty sensitive, um, and, but they, they don't, they won't be really outwardly aggressive, but they can be passively manipulative, um, deeply intuitive, great communicators, so loyal, um, something about their eyes. Whenever I, I, I recognize Pleiadians by their eyes, um, mm -hmm. as much as I do their, their, um, their particular psychology. In other words, most Pleiadians um, uh, kind of, uh, they swim at the surface of, of dense earth life just enough to get breaths of soul in the air, let's say we could say, but they don't want to go deep. It's like we said, deeply into the human condition. They want to, in, they want to inspire uh, the uh, human condition, not transmute it. Mm. And inspiration is a really good start to uh, to transmutation, but um, that's where they process reality, and um, they're really good at what they do, and they're uh, most of the time really brilliant, brilliant uh, people who um, know what they're doing. Uh, to me, the uh, the uh, um, uh, one of the stand-in, uh, really clear uh, celebrity who shows. Um, uh, 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 Pleiade, their Ple her Pleiadian nature is Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm -hmm. um, Goop is uh, uh, her 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 website and her lifestyle. Goop lifestyle is a translation of Pleiadian visions to the world of um, of uh, human lifestyle. It's mm -hmm. really really interesting. Uh, um, more of a pure pure um, Pleiadian is someone like Celine Dion, who her voice just as a person she she rakes on me a little bit i i, I she embarrasses herself a lot with her um, kind of self obliviousness mm. but she but but her voice it just takes you beyond it just takes you beyond um for a while i thought um meryl streep was a good pleiadian but i've come to fight with my finer evolution of my own third eye i see her more now as a divic orion uh -huh. she has a brilliance uh that just is masked by her affability and her um sort of positive uh, uh energy so it was easy to mistake her for pleiadian but she's not so starry-eyed i'm beginning to see as uh, gwyneth and uh, Celine are and divic that's orion. a that's tricky one because there's um the same way pleiadians tend to be women orions tend to be men yeah yes that's mm -hmm. right but um it's interesting because i always experience exactly that uh in meryl streep that she has a a really central strong core of palpable yang mm -hmm. uh, she, she doesn't over inflate her femininity her femininity follows her inner strength 
And uh, that's a real um, uh, um, giveaway for a Diva Orion who happens to be a woman. Yeah, you can see uh, that really clearly in uh, Devil Wears Prada. Um, which is, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. That the Orion incisiveness and precision really comes through. I've been thinking about that a lot since uh, we, we were talking about, um, we'll get to, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, I was thinking of uh, Patrick Stewart. Um, oh, yes. Uh -huh. the, yeah. As an Arcadian, I was just uh, watching some of uh, Picard, which is an amazing show. And I've always been a huge fan of the character Jean-Luc Picard. And I was just noticing like, why wow, this guy does diplomacy like it's just mm -hmm. so natural for him. And then it was mm -hmm. like, oh, he's an Arcturian, which we'll get to. But in the same way, um, uh, Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada, that precision that that character does, it's beyond yes. just acting. Like that's yeah. in her. Yeah, that, that's why it's really interesting. And the reason we use celebrity is because lots of people know about it. We can use them for examples. That's all. We're not extolling celebrity above the common man or, or, and woman, of course. Right. But we can use them um, uh, in these kind of more precise and incisive uh, reads of, uh, of impressions that kind of you can get, you can lose and not really be aware of uh, without uh, going a little deeper into feeling about it. So yeah, um, a lot of times the um, the uh, the soul species of a uh, of a movie star, for example, or of an accomplished actor or an act actor, uh, will shine through all of their roles, and you see their roles as transparent to their soul species mm -hmm. because they're on they're in day glow orange on the big screen. And so uh, you get to be able to read it out pretty directly. The same way every Tom Cruise movie is about him grasping for control of reality because he's a Geffian. And self-empowerment and self-glory. And he at least he's grown in these years a little bit in terms of showing uh, um, not so positive aspects about his mm. characters, but you get him alone in a room and uh, all of that vulnerability just goes away as good acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, one movie. more thing I wanted to say about Pleiadians because um, I, I use the uh, eyes a lot in soul species identifying and Pleiadians would um, used to, I think used to, maybe still do confuse me sometimes because there's so much sparkle in their yeah. eyes. They would look like angel souls to me. Um, mm -hmm. and that can be deceiving, but the, to me, this, the, the main difference is if like I, they look all sparkly and lots of light coming out of their eyes and I go, hmm, <laughs> Pleiadian or angel soul, I just find out like what their relationship to life is. And if they're having a really good time, they're probably mm -hmm. not an angel soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, Pleiadians are really, they're enjoying the human experience. And I've known a number of them that actually talk exactly that way. They're like, it's so interesting to be human. They seem yes. to have this fascination with it. And I also wanted to say that it's it's no accident that New Age spirituality, it was sort of led by Pleiadians um, in that they, they took the sort of um, feel-good greatest hits from Buddhism and Hinduism. <laughs> they left yeah. radical self-inquiry back in Japan, you know? Yeah. They do just the parts that feel good. And yeah, that came exactly in the 60s right. and 70s. They're not interested right. in the really deep, hard, soul, no. you know, uh, crushing work of it. They just take the no, parts that feel good. Yeah, they're not metaphysicians, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, good, good call there. I love that distinction. Um, uh, and if you want a little extra dose of uh, Pleiadianism, you would go to the Devic Pleiadian, of mm. course, which is one step more soulful. Uh, and Reese Witherspoon is a great example of a Devic Pleiadian that way. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and believe it or not, even someone as crass in some ways as uh, the uh, the energy is of Cameron Diaz, uh, mm -hmm. she's finally settled down a little bit out of her tumultuous 20s and 30s um, in the characters she played. But um, she's also a Divic Pleiadian who's who actually, I think her, if I would guess, her her childhood um, grounded her to some disappointing degree, but it still shows through and comes out in the end uh, for her. So I don't I don't have any male Pleiadian examples. Uh, I look for them occasionally, but I haven't yeah. found any ones, at least in the um, the celebrity world. Yeah, me neither. So so okay. Um, we're going now, we started with the most dense and we're going uh, to the least dense, of course. And um, what we call vegans, not vegans, the vegans have all sorts of uh, different um, uh, dietary uh, preferences. Mm -hmm. uh, vegans are again associated with uh, Vega the star. Uh, and uh, in some way, they're the best way to describe is they're really compassionate and caring. Uh, they tend to be at peace by default as opposed to aggravated or upset by by default uh, they don't really dwell deeply in conflict and they take like to take care of other people um, they incarnate more often as women as it fits but um, uh, ve ve vegans uh, also uh, uh, tend to be better with um, oh better ex uh, expressing softness rather than edginess Mm -hmm. uh and that's why they tend to be more yin beings than yang beings They're easy to uh, diagnose easy to misdiagnose as enneagram nines because they have a lot of soul qualities that fit with nine. Oh, that's a oh a great point that's exactly right they they do resemble nines that's right uh it's soul level yin that way mm -hmm. um they, but they can be really determined and fiercely intelligent also a great example uh of a of an actress uh, is uh, helen mirren mm -hmm. as a as a vegan she is just fierce fierce intelligence fierce passion but she's got an artistic softness that um, belies this inner ferocity and passion that translates it which is why she's such a an enigma to a lot of people these who really love helen mirren but they're whenever i ask them what do you love about her they it's really hard for them to say they can't mm. describe what it is but it's this combination of uh, strength and um and caring and compassion and fierce intelligence uh, uh she's just she's the the real mccoy that way um uh, uh vegans are not that are, are tend to be um teachers uh, uh a lot of vegans are teachers majority of nurses are also vegans. oh yeah for sure uh, um, not so much doctors who tend to be orions yeah. uh, some of them divic orions when they're compassionate but uh they get drawn to the science of medicine rather than the art of medicine yeah, you can go you can go many weeks or months without running into a vegan is my experience but you step into a healthcare facility and like the yes. first person you meet is probably going to be a vegan yeah, that's right yeah, exactly they're all, right they're all there they're uh, they're lovely beings and uh i i i, I could have a, a a glass of wine with helen mirren very easily uh and and i get that kind of feeling with them and it's the same same principle for the healthcare people especially women even when they're women doctors rarely but they do become women doctors also occasionally 
they're just lovely, lovely beings. Healthcare uh, administrators, on the other hand, are Gethians <laughs> no. and Carpathians for the most part. So that care oh, no. doesn't get through very well. No, no, no. They, they, they don't want to get into that level of logistics. They're people. They're, they want to serve people, not serve yeah. logistics. And that's right? why nurses tend to be uh, overworked and underappreciated. And that's the, yes. that's the shadow on the vagan side because they're so prone to caretaking that causes them to be taken advantage of. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah, good point. Okay, next uh, next less dense soul species, our, our recent addition uh, to, our, I think, our most recent addition, yes. um, the Arcadians. Um, Bree and I actually met uh, the first Arcadians in a seminar in Europe uh, some many years ago, and uh, they were they were a, a couple, and the, the couple had radiated. They, they came to the seminar, and we had during that seminar a soul species um, uh, uh, a segment, and I'm looking at them there on the stage, and I uh, I couldn't place them anywhere, and I I kept asking questions of uh, what they what they were repelled by and what were they were attracted to in life, and it all added up. Um, I said I couldn't come up with it at the moment, but I'd try to get it before the end of uh, the seminar, and I did. Uh, brand new soul species uh, stuck between um, vegans and. Um, um what's the next one i forget at the moment any rate uh they they're um their their main uh dynamic oh we didn't do the sorry we didn't do the vegan and the um pleiadian processing you algorithm. read my mind i was i just realized that six seconds ago yeah let's go that's wild Shit. I had oh, that we gotta go thought. back we yeah. gotta go back first here folks uh so the for um pleiadians uh the way they process through reality is through rose-colored, <laughs> um, rose-colored brilliance. That's all mm. I can say. Uh, as um, progenitors of the new age, um, they—they're not—they don't float in the clouds, but they sure wish they could. So they aspire to, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. rose-colored glasses, but. They don't flinch from reality either, as long as they don't have to choke on it, <laughs> choke mm -hmm. on earth reality. So I don't know, Joseph, what do you think? Rose-colored seriousness, rose-colored um, uh, um, um, depth? I don't, yeah, I don't know. know if I, brilliance is a little bit, I would want to give that credit to, you know, Gabrielites or, or Orion. Uh, sure. I don't see it as, as rose-colored mm -hmm. is definitely rose-colored excitement. I mean, that's included in the rose-colored thing, but yeah, they, they're, they're, they're fascinated by the human experience as long as it's positive. Yes. So maybe we just say rose-colored groundedness because okay. they they they, nice. they don't float, but yeah. but the yeah. rose-colored really elevates their being so that their heart is always looking upward, not downward. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. <laughs> All right. Good. In Got Vegas. that one. Uh, Vegan. Let's see. Um, uh, maybe. Compassionate for certain, for sure, is there. They process reality through compassionate um, service. Compassion and service. That that's it. That's as simple as it gets. Compassion and service. That's right. Uh, and uh, and so Arcadians. Um, we'll get to theirs after we finish uh, sussing them out here. Yeah. Arcadian souls. Uh, their main uh, um, uh, dynamic bandwidth of uh, identity is ambassadorial. Um, wisdom. Uh, they are. That's why 
what you said about Picard. Uh, I didn't like uh, the, ori- the original Star um, Star Treks, but boy, when uh, Jean Luc came on board, oh uh, yeah, I, 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 I was I was hooked. I loved the the bo- with the Borg and and all the collectivism and stuff. This was yeah. just terrific. Anyway, um, Arcadian Souls uh, are um, are ambassadorial. They just that these two that we first met, um, they just had a no nobility that rises above the uh, pl- pl- plebeian. They they just they just they're so good hearted and they so want to they want to inspire humanity. Uh, they tend not to be so close to other people individually, because they're constantly serving the higher good of humanity. Uh, they want to bring together um, uh, disparate uh, kinds of worldviews into one. Um, they're always looking for what connects us rather than what disconnects us. Um, and they, when they do find a mate, they're pretty rare, uh, not as rare as Syrians, Betelgeuses, or <laughs> Devic Gephians. Um, they, uh, they, um, their best way to say it, maybe this is part of their their processing reality algorithm. They're intellectual empaths. Uh, uh-huh. I think you I think you have that on your your description actually if I remember uh-huh. is correct intellectual oh, yeah. mm-hmm. empathy is uh, the way that they process reality they're reserved uh tend to be reserved they're not outspoken they're quietly outspoken with they really have penetrating insight into how to mediate conflict mm-hmm. they're great mediators uh in that way uh they they make great therapists um, but they're usually drawn to uh, more governmental and charity institutions uh, say they're great diplomats. They're often multilingual. And if you want to go and see the more, more um, a, a conglomeration or an aggregation, let's say, of Arcadians, you just have to go to the United Nations. Um, they tend to rise as cream to the crop and wind up being ambassadors uh, to the United Nations from their own countries. They're warm, um, but they're also aloof. Uh, they can be perceived as aggressive, uh, passive, passive, aggressive, yeah, and and judgmental, but they, they have a really natural pride and like to help Mm. from an arm's length difference, man, the, the standout, uh, um, Arcadian for me is Uthant, which not, not a lot of modern people, modern people, younger people know about (laughs) secretary, secretary general of the United Nations back in the fifties, I believe in early Mm. sixties, Uthant. The guy was like a walking saint without a religion. He just uh, he had such a wonderful personal aura about him that he it just invited agreement among disagreeing. Yeah, uh, just uh, looking at the picture in the slideshow of, of of that guy. How do you say his name again? Utant. Utant. Yeah. Utant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just looking at how he's kind of looking up, and it just occurred to me that uh, energetically, Arcadians they always have their nose a little bit up. They're they're it's yes. the aloofness. Even if they're looking down, there's still an energy of up, like they're above. Yeah. Yeah, but not arrogance. Just, just, um, it's more inspiration than arrogance. Like a servant leadership kind of. Oh, good point. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. They, they, they are absolutely committed to serve on a more national or international level rather than working uh, local charities and that kind of thing. Uh, very different. They've got an overview that's an uh, epic, epic overview they're born with. I had a uh, client for a while. Uh, this was before we had the distinction of Arcadians. And I, as far as I know, the, d- the deepest I ever got to know an Arcadian 
and um, super creative. I'm pretty sure he was a, a David um, a David Arcadian, uh, like a low level celebrity in his region. Um, you know, did philanthropy. Uh, just a, a brilliant and, and honorable man in so many ways, but he could not look at his shadow side at all uh -huh. yeah. because there was so much other orientation. So yes. all this nobility yes. and ambassadorship and being a steward, that's another uh, good word oh, for that. Steward, stewardship. Should so go much into stewardship, that. but it went, when yeah. it went to yeah. look at like, hmm, why is it, do you think that um, all, you don't have any longtime managers? They always quit after a while. He just couldn't look at why that might have something to do with him. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't. Yeah. When they try to get actually, if they're in the corporate world, they're going to be shrinking somewhat. And mm. that'll also cause them to contract their own self, uh, um, self examination in some yeah, ways. Which would explain why he desperately wanted to get out of the business. Yeah. <laughs> it was too probably. small for him. So uh, these days, uh, um, uh, and, and Joseph nailed it um, Jean Luc, Pic uh, not Jean Luc Picard. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Patrick They're almost Stewart. the same person for me. They, they I'm are. Such they, a he, fan. He, he, he does not have to act, even though I've seen him in other things where he's not Picard and he's really good. Uh, mm. But uh, um, Patrick Stewart is the compliat uh, Arcadian, that nobility, and he pointed he'd land that role as ambassador of the Starfleet uh, to yeah. the universe, to the universe, right? A little more of earthbound uh, person is a lot of, is a woman not many people know about. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her name right. But Benazir Bhutto, Bhutto, mm -hmm. Bhutto, um, she was led um, in Pakistan, I believe, for the amelioration of peace with um, India and inclusion of Hindu and Muslim conflict. Uh, she's a beautiful, beautiful being, almost saintly. Uh, she had her downside and her rough edges, but a classic Arcadian. So, but and, and Patrick Stewart, we think uh, both Joseph and I is a Debic Arcadian. He's got just that little bit of lift in his loafers, as it were. You know who just uh, hit me? Uh, what about Desmond Tutu? Oh, Peter Arcadian. Oh, he'd have to be sure. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see. Um, Ar Arcadian. Um, his nose you know, looks pretty, a little Arcturian, but his it, eyes no, look he, to me more. Yeah, Arcadian. yeah. He's got more. He's a, a for, if he's a if he's a wee spacer, he'd be an eight. If he's a me spacer, <gasps> he could be a four. Actually, uh huh. I like we ate uh, Arcadian. Mm -hmm. I agree. We mm -hmm. ate Arcadian because that guy, um, he would not give up his self authority, no matter how many dozens of years they put him in jail. Uh, he never lost his self authority. So, yeah, uh, Desmond for sure is a cool, is huh? an Arcadian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, add them to the list. You heard it here first, folks. We're working this out <laughs> in real time. This is how As we behind speak, the scenes right? this is what it looks like. Exactly. The next least dense soul we've already talked about quite a bit is Orion. And oh, wait, of course, Orion. I wrote down um, for Arcadians oh. ambassadorial wisdom and intellectual empathy, which you said. I think that pretty much sums Perfect. it up. Yeah, that does it. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. I went too fast. Orion souls again. There's the Orion uh, constellation uh, with um, Orion's belt. Is it Orion's belt? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's three stars yeah. of the belt. Right. Um, and so uh, they're the just about the most, uh, when in doubt, with someone who's got so many e uh, IQs, uh, they're spilling out their ears uh, that that's usually an Orion. 
Orion souls process almost everything through their intellect, yet when you visit their particular dimensional um, tier of consciousness, they're surprisingly emotional, but in mm -hmm. muted, muted tones that are actually quite sophisticated. Imagine they've got like 18 different kinds of reds uh, in, <laughs> in their dimension Eight, that you that your eye, the human eye could would maybe see two or three of those. They're so subtle, um, but but they're sophisticated um, in their colorfulness. So uh, they 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 tend to gravitate toward uh, research. Um, uh, many most sci many scientists, a good proportion, I'd say forty to fifty percent, are Orion souls uh, who are hungry for knowledge for knowledge's sake. Mm -hmm. um, they tend to um, sometimes uh, um, uh, leave behind their own self care in long and deep pursuit of truth uh, that way. And Orion's that's uh, one more thing. That's another aspect of the healthcare system, the Western healthcare system, uh, where you have the nurses being these deeply caring, underappreciated, overworked people. And then like 70 right. or 80% of the doctors are Orion souls who right. don't care the same way vegans do. They're in it for the knowledge. And yes. so they, there's the, that, that's a big aspect of the shadow of the healthcare system. It's not care driven. It's science driven. It's, uh, that's why surgeons are always looking for opportunities to cut people open and do stuff because they think it's cool. Yes. Yeah. It's just they. That's their entertainment, uh, mm -hmm. and that, that's not a put down. Uh, they they're more much more yangic soul species, which yeah. is why more of them incarnate as men. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that doesn't necessarily, depending on their enneagram point, to spacer, uh, and um, their their the way they were raised and conditioned by their family and culture. They don't they don't have to be cold. They're only made cold in their distancing from caring by most of the time by either uh, an Enneagram point, um, um, uh, what's a good uh, uncaring five. five. Yeah. yeah, oh, if you, if you get an Orion five, don't try to get close to them because uh, they've got their own agenda. That's well, Stephen sure. Hawking was probably an Orion five, yeah. Yeah, but Divic, uh, ah, Divic yeah. Orion, Divic mm -hmm. Orion five, which is why he was stubborn as hell, um, but he was also a sweet, a sweet guy. And the fact what he what he put up with, uh, with his uh, with that uh, disease that it, Lou Gehrig's disease. My God, how can you yeah. even imagine what that was like? But uh, Thomas um, Edison. Oh yeah, Thomas Edison. Um, well, God, sometimes I think of him. If you get to, I'm told I never met the man, of course, but. <laughs> But if you look underneath um, the uh, the fairy tale or the his his uh, curricula vita, he's act, he's he, he looks like a Divic Gephian to me because he didn't mm. have much integrity. Mm. He had he uh, Orion's is you don't you don't have to like them, but they usually have in, at least intellectual integrity. Uh, Edison was a thief and he stole what's his name so much as uh, Tesla's. Uh, Tesla's stuff. Yeah. Uh, Pasteur the same way. Pasteur stole uh, begins with an L A. The guy that came before him, uh, uh, Lamarck. Lamarck, yeah. yes, uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah. Uh, Pasteur did the same thing. In fact, sometimes I, I wondered if um, um, uh, Pasteur reincarnated as Edison. Uh, no, I'm probably <laughs> too close. Probably a little too close in in in, in death in and years. birth. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Orion's actually uh, can can relate to Gephians though because they're so will uh, driven. They're mm -hmm. only Gephian is will to power, and Orion is will to knowledge. So, but mm -hmm. they do share uh, that willfulness, and um, they they the two species like to visit each other's realms um, occasionally uh, for. Uh, discourse and uh, self-congratulations with cigars and brandy. Um, Orion's also can be uh, entrepreneuric, uh, entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. um, and they have difficulty with emotion and and intuition. They they're opinionated uh, and can be critical, but uh, and also try to get people to see how silly it is if they don't use their brain. So a lot of times they can be um, uh, not very nice people to invite to a party if you're a party person, um, like a Devic um, uh, um, Betelgeist would be. Oh, yeah, those um, are party people. Yeah. Wait a second. I just hit I wanted there's something. Uh, uh, pause here for a moment. Um, oh, who was it? Uh, I got a. I there was a movie star I saw immediately for the first time as a Betelgeist, and I can't think of who it is. Maybe I'll think of it before the end. Okay. Okay. So back to Orion's. Uh, Divic Orion's tend to blend um, the uh, intellectual with the emotional, but not not to the point of deep self introspection. Mm -hmm. They uh, they're sensitive without being vulnerable. Divic mm -hmm. Orion's. Um, uh, Stephen Hawking's was a sensitive guy, uh, in, in spite of all of his brain power. So that's why I think he might be, have been a, a Divic, um, uh, Orion. So they're the knowledge is the comfort zone. They, they learn, they want to learn content. Um, and they're so brilliant. They can be, like you said before, um, uh, uh dismissed or, um, seen as, uh, mixed with, uh, confused with, Gabrielite angels who right. come, they have meta intelligence, which uh, which grounded intelligence more that Orion's have can't can't compete. Yeah, the uh, one of the ways when I when I'm identifying a soul species, if the um, the the disambiguation between Orion's and Gabrielites is they both have very piercing eyes, um, oh, yes, but right. but Gabrielites have a lot. But the uh, Orion's eyes look more beady to me. Um, it's piercing uh -huh. but there's there's not the same amount of light coming through so it's a little thinner it's tinnier whereas there's a lot more light coming through and oh, um, we are more, absolutely more wisdom than intelligence yes more wisdom right. yeah that's exactly right that's the best way to describe it I, I guess i just want i want to mention too i just thought of it um uh the the grays which is out there pleiadians mm -hmm. like to talk a lot about the, the grays and the the um the alien abduction uh, um, uh, uh, group that uh, got a lot of um, headlines in the seventies. Um, it's they've uh, a lot of uh, publicity about them. Uh, had a little bit too much alcoholic content in those who reported it, but um, there were actual in our picture of things. Aliens really are an interesting group because they're a they're a subgroup or a sub subset of uh, of Gephian allied Orions. They're brilliant, um, but you haven't heard much about them since the 70s, not because it was all hoaxes, which it wasn't, but because after after a certain point in the 80s, um, they were no longer allowed to incarnate on Earth, or I'm sorry, come to Earth, not incarnate on Earth. Uh, they could not uh, visit anymore. They um, Something shifted with the electromagnetic spectrum of the Earth uh, is bathed in that uh, was contrary to, became contrary to Gray's. 
they they they're disconnected from spirit. Uh, they over over rely on will and mind, and they're a dying subgroup precisely because of this. They're, they self destruct because they put too much um, reliance on will and knowledge rather than love. They abducted humans to look for the soul. This is not well known uh, even to Pleiadians. They don't. They weren't doing experiments on people uh, to find out what made the pancreas work. They were li literally looking for their own lost emotive-based soul. They were looking for the soul in people. And since Earth is a very soulful planet because we're ruled by uh, emotions, uh, uh, not very healthy emotions, far more than intellect on this planet, um, look at the state of the world. And they wanted to study humans to see if they could uh, resurrect their own souls or steal the souls, which is ridiculous. Uh, no one can be, no one's soul can be st stolen. So, um, but if Orions, anyone could figure out how to do that, it would be Orion's. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson was a, a, a classic Orion. Uh, he wouldn't be a Debeck Orion because um, he had slaves. Uh, carried slaves. Uh, <laughs> Great but, but, a, but a classic diva Orion is Jack Nicholson. This guy, oh my God! You know, you see that brilliance behind his eyes, but his own upbringing and his divicness got him to play all these kinds of characters who are just off. They're off, but in a in a very attractive or compelling way that makes you more interested in their oddness. And that's what he is. He's an odd, uh, Divock Orion is an odd person. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't fit in very well because their brilliance is used to serve a different master than just knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're more entertainers uh, than they are um, uh, scientists or knowledge seekers. Um, who else uh, was a diva Orion? Steve uh, Jobs. Oh, Steve Jobs. Oh, the poster boy mm -hmm. for a diva Orion. This guy, you know, intellect out the uh, out the yin yang, but uh, his he was playful inside of his arrogance. Uh, his arrogance and self centeredness is what made his his business and the computer revolution possible to the common man. Whereas um, Gates and the folks over on the PC side. Uh, lacked that divic um, uh, aspect of the divic Orion, and he was determined to make um, uh, computers um, much more intuitive, and that came out of his divic uh, uh, aspect of his divic Orionness. Uh, who it else? It makes uh, me wonder who what uh, Tim Cook is. I'm just looking at a picture of him, the current CEO of Apple, because of course Apple's been under criticism ever since Steve Jobs has died of not being able to innovate. And Steve yeah. Jobs innovated the hell out of Apple. Um, and uh, Tim Cook has a much, I mean, he looks awfully dry to me. He's yeah. not juicy like Steve Jobs is. He looks. No, he, he he's a tool. Uh, he's like a tool. Um, and, and maybe <laughs> Apple needed a tool after Steve. But, um, you know, he's he's really mundane and dry, like you say. And what what he does is he 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 does endless renovation, not innovation, mm. with Apple products. I mean, how many versions of iPhone SEs are there? Or I mean, there's so many different <laughs> variations in uh, MacBook Air, MacBook Air Pro, Mac. Right, Mac it's Pro. become confusing in the last twelve it, months. Yeah, it, it, really, and that's a result of the way he couldn't innovate. He wanted to renovate and repeat. Uh, horizontally rather than innovate vertically like Steve so did. So what about uh, Arcturian for that? Uh, kind of constantly re reweaving the grids instead of covering oh, new territory? 
Oh, good call, Joseph, because he's a loner. You mm -hmm. can see that. I, he's got a family, I think, but um, the guy is aloof and cool and dry. And so uh, that would be much more Arcturian than anything and else. He's got this kind of gray. Arcturians have a gray in their field. Yeah, that's gray. Kind of dry it, and boring. It looks like they're dehydrated. Exactly <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's right. And another person uh, that strikes me, I'm not sure about this. I'm ready to revisit this, Joseph. Um, we've, I think we've called uh, uh, um, Ed Harris, the movie star, the guy, uh -huh. uh, David Orion, because even though he doesn't lead with his um, his intellect, you just look behind those eyes, and this guy's got it going on mm -hmm. behind his eyes. He he has a compelling presence um, that draws you to him whenever he's on the screen, and he can really articulate uh, well his characters, but he's playful also. He doesn't take himself so well, seriously. He doesn't lead with his intellect probably because he looks to me like a wee spacer, which we've talked about before in the podcast. Oh, that could be, yeah. So you get the wee spacer softens, right. it unifies the Orion so they don't, it doesn't lead with the intellect as much. Yeah, he to me looks like a, a one then if he's a wee spacer. Oh, oh, David a wee, yeah, he's very principled. Yeah, he's yeah. the kind of guy you wouldn't be afraid to give your car keys. He's trustworthy. <laughs> Exactly right. Mm -hmm. No, uh, I think we just nailed it on the air. Uh, Diva <laughs> Orion, uh, We Spacer One, um, mm -hmm. Benjamin Franklin. Oh, how could we forget him? Uh, oh, he's a classic. <laughs> a Diva Orion mm -hmm. uh, for sure. A uh, brilliant guy, but uh, who would who would? But a Diva Orion would send a kite up uh, to get electrified. You know, I mean, really. <laughs> he really had to know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. How do uh, Orion's process reality? Um, well, obviously through the knowledge net first. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the will knowledge. to knowledge. That was a cool phrase you said before. The oh, was it? Will, will to, knowledge. to knowledge versus will to power for uh, Geffians. Geffians. That, that seems important. That's it. Will to knowledge. All right. We're getting close now uh, to the angel domain. We've got one more to go before angels. Uh, again, Andromeda is a is a star uh in, a, in its own system and andromedans are um oh let's see the most porous soul species next to angel soul species because they they bump up against the um the lucifilites they have one foot in the dense and one foot uh in um, the spirit they're um, balanced in yin and yang that way andromedans uh, but they they seem to be more confident than they are, and they struggle with self-acceptance a lot, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. uh, Andromedans tend to be um, born in... Um, uh, one reason for... Uh, no, I'm going to say it. Andromedans, most of the Andromedans I've met are almost all women. Mm -hmm. um, but when... Because because when they incarnate... Oh, they're, they're always pair-bonded. Sorry. we got to start with that. They're pair-bonded uh, in their own... Um, uh, dimension. I think Andromedans are born twins in all cases. Mm -hmm. It's like they're, they're, they're same womb or whatever their womb, their energy bodies are. Uh, they're, they're, they're a whole race of twins. Mm -hmm. uh, they're born in pairs, but when one of them wants to incarnate on earth, the other one stays behind in the Andromedan to anchor them there. I've never seen two Andromedans uh, in, in an intimate relationship. Uh, Andromedans can marry I've seen Andromedans pair bond, women pair bond with all the whole range of the soul species except Gephians. Uh, I even known an Andromedan that 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 uh, uh, was with a, a Terran Earthman, uh, which was he anchored her uh, in that way. She needed extra anchoring, I guess. But uh, the Yin-based uh, twin of the Andromedan 
when they incarnate here, which is mostly all of them, uh, leave behind the yang-based, uh, more yang-based Andromeda back in the Andromedan system. And they hold the space like an anchor for them. There's an umbilicus between earth incarnative uh, Andromedans and their twin or mate, you could say. They mate with their twins. I don't know how to say it otherwise. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, not like brother and sister, but like born mates. It's, like a, it's a soulmate. It's a, it's a soul soulmate. level soulmate. Yeah. Exactly right. I think now that I say that out loud, Joseph, I think that's because they have one step out of the angel system and their porosity uh, uh, being being one step more dense uh, allows them to pair create or something. I, I can feel that more than I understand it. Um, but anyway, they never when they marry or they get intimate with uh, with with a, um, an, a non Andromedan, they almost never are in denial of that. They make peace with the fact that they can't really get into heart and soul connect with their partner because technically they're already still partnered with their partner mm. in the heavens, so to speak. So mm -hmm. uh, they never feel like they need an ideal mate here, um, mm -hmm. if I remember your description of it. Uh, yeah, I knew a um, uh, an Andromedan man who was with a vegan woman. And when he talked about her you know, in the beginning of the relationship, there was always this sense of like he talked about it as like very practical and convenient like there was the sense of like oh, yeah this this will work yeah not like i'm totally in love with this person and yes that's and, right that's exactly right yeah mm -hmm. it was really interesting and in, in the it was kind of also interesting because andromedans tend to be a little self-absorbed and narcissistic it seems uh yes. and the, the that of course attracted the vegan caretaking and, oh, uh, perfect! Yeah, yeah it so lasted right. a couple of years, and uh, then it, it fell pretty flat because the 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 vegan started to see that her needs were not being met, and uh, the Andromedan was oblivious to the the lack of passion and love that was happening. That the vegan was not interested in a marriage of convenience, like like he unconsciously uh, was. Oh, that's a great, um, more depthful description of how some of these processing of reality algorithms actually apply in everyday life that was great joseph and there's another wrinkle to it the the andromeda in, qu in question was really into shamanism and, oh that's which is, that's a classic yeah which is really interesting because all the the wiccan and the witch and the shamanism thing it very much has like one foot in this world one foot not in this world and they're Absolutely. amazing bridgers in that way yes. but the yes. price they seem to pay is they're not really all the way here and they're not all the way really spiritual either, is in my experience. And um, that's why David Bowie is, is one of my favorite examples of the oh, uh, Andromedan, because yeah. he was yeah. just completely obsessed with outer space type stuff. <laughs> yes. And, you know, uh -huh. in these kind of uh, gaudy costumes and, you know, the uh, Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars and, you know, brilliant artists, but like never quite seemed at home as a human being. Well, that's a great way of uh, of seeing how it applies in incarnative uh, uh, bandwidths. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting because it uh, they were the ones because they bridge spirit and um, and matter or mm -hmm. in that way between angel soul species and all the rest, mm -hmm. the, all the rest. They they were some of the earlier um, progenitors of our ancient civilizations, Egypt, Atlantis, Egypt, Sumeria. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, very Andromedan heavy. Um, these are the the especially uh, the age just prior to um, our modern age, uh, which started about one hundred and thirty thousand years ago, um, was uh, um, Andromedan Atlanteans. 
uh, most of Atlantis were Andromedans and Orions, the com combination. So uh, the, that bridging thing was as civilizations and Terrans were uh, beginning to evolve on the planet here, they needed leaders and they tended to be Andromedans to show them how to make peace with nature. Um, they're, they, they, Andromedans are very aligned in nature because they can experience spirit through nature much more they can, than they can through yeah, human right. beings. Yeah, so. You know, what just hit me is um, uh, the Egyptian pharaohs, you know, the idea is that the pharaohs were just like one level below God. Yes. So one right. level oh. below the angel species. And right. so, oh, and good point. Because yes. Andromedans are more porous than all of the other non-angel souls, they yes. tend to see themselves at the top and forget there's more above them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so, I, I always feel so invisible to Andromedan souls because they they just think they're more porous than I am, and yes. you know, they're just not. Not that it's a competition, they're, but they just don't no. see it. They see themselves at the top. Oh, that's a great way of putting it. I think now that you say that, that's also a compensation a bit mm -hmm. for their loneliness. Mm. You know, um, they sure. they can get it. They can they can coarsify a bit in arrogance, depending on their upbringings, uh, because of how lonely they are. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, they 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 also do a lot of channeling. A lot of Andromedans do mm. channels. Uh, yeah, uh, channeling. yeah, and. Uh, so uh, in that sense, they want to they their their upsides is um, well they tend to compete with angel souls because they um, they they uh, angel souls limit uh, like you just said they threaten the limits of Andromedan um, uh, uh, depth uh, depth observation. So uh, David Bowie is a classic Andromedan. Um, the, the guy is so otherworldly. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. he uh, he turned uh, even even as an, as an androgene, uh, mm -hmm. a, a mixing yin and yang aspects, uh, was his way of coping with the fact that his mate was was not here with him. So he incorporated her into himself that way. Ah. Really interesting. And what's and that, that line from uh, from Ziggy Stardust, uh, making love with his ego? Yes, mm -hmm. yes, it's exactly. Sort of Only... self-love, this like semi-bisexual self-love kind of a relationship with sexualized relationship with self. Yes, his yang and yin uh, were lovemaking all the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. And that was a way to get through uh, being alone, lonely as he was. and. Uh, a little unbalanced, but uh, always artistic and always um, um, interesting and amazing to me. Mm -hmm. um, Eva Green, to me, is a classic uh, divic Andromedan. She plays these characters that are hyper-intelligent, but with a, with a um, transparency to mystical. Uh, whenever I see Eva Green in a movie, no matter even though she was in that James Bond, that one James Bond movie, um, it still uh, was she was still transparent with it. There's a mystical, um, uh, a good witch uh, kind of dynamic to her, uh, which is exactly the kind of spiritual and drama and spirituality Andromedans embody. And uh, they can also when they when they've got uh, when they incarnate with a certain. Um, look or physical contours that matches the ideal of the particular age they incarnate in. Um, they can be quite compelling as uh, sexual objects, uh, projections 
uh, people make on them, but they tend to be reserved. And um, remember, they already are mated with someone else uh, back in the Andromedan system. So they can really be heartbreakers mm. when they seduce you to get too close to them. If that's if they uh, in that kind of configuration, yeah, they but do seductress do, very well. Very well. Um, Uma Thurman well. and uh, Nicole Kidman are two more. Oh, right. yeah, exactly. Uma Thurman, exactly right. Uh, a male one is uh, someone, he's kind of faded from um, uh, stardom these days, but Gary Sinise, mm -hmm. uh, remember his uh, his role in Forrest Gump, mm -hmm. uh, but he played a lot of really interesting, really kind of under the radar type uh, characters. Uh, but again, I, I always saw him as an angry Divic Andromedan, uh, usually Divic because they go to movie stardom or they yeah. go to acting. Um, but there's an anger, a resentment in it that he's alone. Mm -hmm. And by, I think what he happens is he he he. Um, what's the word in psychology? He uh, he moved his um, inability to mate uh, with his with his real partner in the Andromedan, so he mated with his roles. Displacement. Uh, Displacement. That's that. it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Um, so he displaced that and 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 being attracted to roles, but there was a certain certain limiting aspect to that, which is why his star kind of faded after the '90s or early 2000s. Mm. But Gary Sinise is to me is a tragic guy. I want I just always want to come up to him and hug him and say, "Bro, I get it." That's always what I wanted to do. Mm. Uma Thurman, like you said, and um and Nicole Kidman. How Nicole Kidman? I tell you. Could could be with Tom Tom uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise like in, uh, is during just, the original Top Gun days that oh, they were together, oh, right? Um, yes, uh, that's right. And so, yeah, that's uh, a, oh, I never thought about that. How could a David Andromedan be with a? He's a David Geffian, right? Tom Cruise. He's a David Geffian. Yeah. The, well, they the got David, that in common. The David part. They got the David in common. <laughs> I, 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 so I, this is hard to say because I respect. Uh, Nicole Kidman is a being uh, much more than I do Tom, but uh, I, I sorry Nicole if you ever hear this, but I think you <laughs> incarnated and did a stint with good old Tom here uh, um, as a punishment of some kind. Uh, oh my to god! You, to show you what is not possible, even if the other if the man is a divic. Um, I just thought of a whole new show concept. We could have a whole <laughs> podcast that's just uh, uninvited, unsolicited celebrity soul reads. That you do for them <laughs> oh god uh, you know I, and it's all with respect I, I, I there's no arrogance to it at all it's just oh if they could take it in the right vein that it's well well um, motivated not 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 to try to take anyone down uh, or criticize but to add clarity and which can be uh clarity can be quite uncomfortable sometimes well i would definitely have some questions about nicole kidman's father i guess we could we could oh, leave it sure. at that i would want to know yeah. some things <laughs> for sure that's probably where and nicole and again nicole if you ever listen to this podcast we don't mean to put you into a box or we don't delude ourselves that we know you mm. we're just reading out certain flows in your soul field that correlate and that's the best we can say yeah so uh, interestingly, um, uh, what's that? There's that uh, TV show that Nicole Kidman uh, did recently where she's like overseeing this kind of weird, magical kind of spa thing. Uh, I can't oh, remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, one. yeah. But she. Oh, she, that's, that was perfect. Yeah. Perfect role for her to be sort of yeah. this bridge between worlds. It's sort of like, I mean, she, she in that in that show, she could be actually like an alien in some ways. There's this otherworldliness to the spot. It's sort of out of space and time. And it seems like. 
that uh, as she uh, uh, matures, that she's moving from the earthen to the spiritual. And maybe that's part of her path. You know, she was the, you know doing movies like Top Gun and being with Tom Cruise and now doing more and more kind of otherworldly. Um, she was a, that was a Moulin Rouge was Nicole Kidman as well, which also had a sort yes. of out of space yeah. and time quality to it. Yeah, I don't think she was actually wasn't the original Top Gun. Uh, no, it was no, that was another was actress. Um, the blonde. Oh, I just saw a picture of her recently. It wasn't Nicole Kidman. They were together during that time. Oh, though. but that wasn't uh, her. Yeah, that wasn't her. Okay, so how do they process reality? Uh, um, uh, Andromedans. Um, what's their? Oh, uh, what did I write down here? I'm still stuck in Top Gun and whether There's... my memory failed me or not. <laughs> I want to um, find that well, out. Uh, yes, uh, bridging spirit Irish. and matter. Um, bridging is the is the key word here. Bridging mm -hmm. spirit and matter. That's what their algorithm they process reality through. Um, and and uh, the woman in the original Top Gun was Irish. It was a Mick something or Mac something. Okay. All right. Something. I'll let it go. You'll find her. All right. You'll find her. All right. And now we come to the soul group that we are the five tiered angel souls. Do we have um, time? Well, I want to say yes, but I'm afraid I, I have to say no. I uh, Five groups I, is a lot. It's a lot, and there's a lot to say about angel souls, especially yeah. since I want to go on with, I'd like to do um, a bit of their ontogeny so that uh, it becomes a little clearer for people about angels. And Oh, you want to go into the ontological parts. We should definitely then wait, I think. Yeah, so I, I think we'd like, I'd like to leave it there um, mm. for today. We just have a little shorter one today, if that's mm -hmm. all right. Um uh, but the thing here is uh, everyone, whenever we do um, soul species assays uh, in, in seminars or in person or by reads, everyone tends to want to be an angel soul. And we've said this in other podcasts, but I'd like to just bring it home here as long as I have a few minutes, uh, that everyone wants to be an angel soul because of the nonsense we were, we've been conditioned about what angel souls are. Mm. Uh, the uh, And that's basically guardian angel characteristics. Um, uh, guardian angels are only one uh, subgroup of one of the five tiers of angel souls. And uh, the ones actually, when when a guardian angel um, uh, uh, soul species, uh, one of the soul species incarnates here, it is the most hellish kind of example. Uh, they they know a lot about Earth activity by being guardian angels, and when they finally want to say, um, "I want to incarnate here," uh, boy, are they in for a load of many lifetimes of difficulty. Who uh, was the Cage? What was the Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan movie? Um, uh, uh, something with L.A. Um, uh, City of Angels? City of Angels, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was based on Wim Wenders' uh, right. original movie. Uh, what was that name? A German, um, wonderful, amazing movie uh, about an angel who wanted to incarnate as human. Uh, and that Nick Nick course uh, took it up uh, when the remake uh, and it was not in, it was in Berlin before mm -hmm. in Germany and black and white is amazing. What was the name of that film? Something, something. Anyway, um, angel oh, yeah. souls uh, suffer horribly when they come here because they're so not wings the of desire. Of the spectrum wings of desire. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend both of both versions. They mm -hmm. both have their own amazing wonderfulness to them. But angel souls have the most difficult uh, incarnative challenges because they're the other side of the rainbow of um, of uh, density as uh, all the other soul species. 
And since the Earth of the Terran universe is the most dense uh, vibrating universe, there's no, there's no more dense um, universe than the, the one we find ourselves in here now. Uh, they suffer terribly with that density dis uh, um, dis distinction. So uh, before you, uh, after hearing next week's um, uh, podcast, before you set your sights on, oh, this will be juicy, maybe they'll describe me, be careful what you wish for. Maybe yeah. you will be an angel soul species, but uh, Joseph and I and our, our beloveds and um, uh, a good share of of um, I would say the largest percentage of people who are drawn to identity tend to be angel souls reaching down to Orion, uh, basically. Uh, not that many are attracted to identity because identity came out of um, and I of, of my hope, uh, my wish to serve souls that can't be served by the regular institutions and philosophies of, uh, of the earth and world. And so that's why we attract a lot of angel souls. So we've got a lot to say about that because we are, and but we're not saying, as we've said so many times, uh, no better because of it, in fact, suffer much more uh, than the average person on the planet uh, by being an angel soul. That's why I brought up City of Angels, because, you yeah. know, um, Nicolas Cage's character, he, he wants to incarnate and become a human because he's in, in love with Meg Ryan's character. And finally, in the end, he becomes human. And yes. boy, even though he's a guardian angel and knows a lot about what being human is like yes. when he actually becomes a human, he's, um, yes. you know, gets to enjoy some of the pleasure of it, actually getting to transact that love with her, but uh -huh. also um, gets to realize that the, the pain is beyond his concept and, and imagination about it. And that yeah. is what it's oh. like to be an angel soul. <laughs> oh, great, the pain is great. nearly unbearable even though you knew a lot about what you were getting into um it's uh yeah it's crushing so it's like it's literally like um uh someone who's lived on uh, in machu picchu and then is told they have to live in a bathosphere in the mariana trench <laughs> in the middle of the pacific yeah. Uh, so it's it's really difficult, and uh, we'll get into w whys and wherefores a little more next time. But just with that proviso, that uh, uh, just because uh, a person may be an angel soul incarnative here in Earth doesn't uh, put them in any special category except a special category of suffering. Yeah, and, yeah, and certainly they have gifts just like any other soul species does. But um, what occurs sure. to me in this moment is that there's a very real way in which angel souls are crippled by their own suffering and yes. have to crawl out of that or making peace with that. And that's what one of the lonelinesses of angel souls is they don't understand why most of the people they meet are not suffering like they are. Exactly right, which makes them fight, not have very, very many mirrors in the human yeah. Um, another way to say that, uh, Joseph, uh, well said, by the way, uh, and that is that uh, I, I can tell I can tell in a lot of my work with angels over the years, and I and I can spotlight myself in this particular category. A lot of what I experienced always intuitively as my strengths were reflected to me as liabilities. Mm -hmm. And my liabilities on the other side were reflected to me as strengths relative to the way business is done, the business of incarnation mm -hmm. is done here on planet Earth. So when you get confused, when you're conditioned as I was uh, uh, by my salt of the earth kind of family, 
uh, family dynamic uh, that um, my strengths are liabilities and my liabilities strengths. I got rejected for my strengths and embraced for my liabilities becomes a very confusing uh, form of suffering to finally find your yourself inside that somewhere. Yeah, like, for example, being called too sensitive, which probably every yes. angel soul has been called. And it's like, okay, mm -hmm. so if that's mm -hmm. what you get hit with when you're five years old, and then you end up building a bunch of armor on top yes. of it to try to not be sensitive. Meanwhile, blaming yourself for not being able to succeed at that. And then, you know, by the time you're 30 or 40, you realize it can't be done and you have to resensitize yourself to everything. And then it feels like incarnating all over again. Uh, so, okay. yeah, not fun. One last point. Um, unlike uh, uh, with the rest of the soul species, where we started with the most dense and went to the least dense, with the angel group, we're going to um, start with the least dense because that'll be ontogenically a little more uh, ah. easy to explain. Yeah. So we'll start with the least dense angel group, which, by the way, guardian angels are, and get down to the most um, the, the the most dense angel soul species, and we'll do those five next time with um, a lot of. Um, um, what's a good way to say it? Down to earth uh, loftiness. How about that? Amen. I knew okay. I, I had an intuition in the beginning when I said, we'll see how far that intention goes. I didn't think we were going to get through all the rest today. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm glad wonderful. I don't want to be rushed. Yeah. No, that's right. And I, you don't want to cramp up the angels because even if you are an angel soul, there tends to be a lot of fascination with angels. In fact, when people started first started, um, it's not really clear out there that angels can incarnate as humans. Mm -hmm. a lot, there's been a lot of it in folklore and in uh, and in um, storytelling, but it actually is true, folks. Um, we can attest to this, and so um, it is possible for angels to incarnate here. And uh, not always, as we just uh, summarized, uh, to the uh, that matches the best of our intentions in terms of results. Mm -hmm. So we'll do that next time. And uh, Joseph, as usual, your acuity and your um, sensibilities about soul species and the myriad ways that they process reality. Um, thanks so much for helping out here in this or maybe I, I felt more like I was helping you were helping me out than I was helping <laughs> you out so yeah well I I learned it all from you of course and uh, the the more my uh, third eye opens the the better I get at it it's really fun so yeah. thank you for that all righty all right thanks for listening everyone tune in next time we'll finish this off and until then we wish you well on your journey bye for now Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.